This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are in this wonderful uh, country of ours. Um, cold out there. Boy, you know, if I'm complaining about cold, it's got to be pretty cold. I mean, for, for us here in, in Southern California, it, it you know hits uh, maybe low 50s, maybe high 40s at night, and we're already complaining. So uh, you probably, uh, you know, those of you in Kansas or in Minnesota are probably saying, what is he talking about? So uh, anyway... Just uh, want to welcome you here this morning, or as I said, this afternoon here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff, the only live call-in show here on Pet Life Radio. And live, keyword, call-in, another keyword. We want to hear from you. Just uh, give us a call when you can. You can reach us at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or better yet, join us here live on Google Hangouts. Really easy. Just log into Pet Life Radio. Click on the on shows under the shows little tab. Ask the vets with Dr. Jeff. And there's going to be a Google Hangouts link there for you. Just scroll down a little bit. You'll see in, the, in this big box. It's kind of a long link. Don't try to memorize it. Just click on it. Make it easy for yourselves. And you can join us here live. Have your pets with you. We, we like to see pets. And look, advice is free. That's the beauty of it. You know, the joke is in many professions, if you put, uh, you know, 10 veterinarians in a room, you're going to get uh, 15 different opinions. So, you know, if you have anything that you're dealing with with one of your pets and you want some advice, you want some guidance, just some explanation of what's going on and why and why the vet uh, recommended what he or she did, um, now is your chance. And it's free. No office call fee, no emergency room fee. Just pick up the phone or join us here on Google Hangouts. So I hope you all had a very happy new year. A safe new year. That uh, when was more, it was my granddaughter's. I'm always wondering which one was the 19th, which was the 23rd. This way, I don't have to worry about it because it is all one 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 nine. So that's an easy one. And uh, just kind of listen in. What we're going to talk about because I did open with uh, talking about how cold it was for me, and I know if it's cold for me here in Southern California, it's really cold for you guys. So we're going to talk about some uh, the American Veterinary Medical Association guidelines and just just recommendations for uh, how we should treat our pets when it, when I want to talk to when it gets really really cold. But firstly, perusing the uh, American Animal Hospital Association and American Vet Med Association news briefs, uh, a couple of ones to share with you. First of all, and this is kind of frightening, I guess. A U.S. a woman from the United States was in India on a yoga retreat, and she was I guess bent down to talk to her, say hi to a little puppy. And the little puppy bit her. They washed it up with some soap and water. It was no big deal, so they thought. And getting back to the States, the wound itself started looking really bad. She started feeling really lousy. Long story short, she got rabies from this puppy, and they could not save her. So that is really sad. I mean, when you think about the kind of people that go into these yoga retreats, especially all over the world, they're kind of usually pretty healthy. You don't see many people doing yoga that are really, really eat terribly and take terrible care of themselves. So, I mean, that's really sad. And to be nice to a little puppy and then die because the puppy bite. But the lesson to be learned when you are dealing with animals that you do not know, no way to get a vaccine history, probably first of all, better off not even to, to be too nice. But don't let them munch on you. Even puppies, because they have very, very sharp teeth. She's no longer here to tell us, which is really sad. This is interesting, because this is a, a subject that we are hearing more and more about, cannabis without THC. Now, there's some guidelines about how pure it has to be, 99 point whatever percent. But 
it's available out there. So there's no THC, it, negligible amounts. And therefore, you know, since it doesn't have any of the really bad behavior modification properties without the THC, there are a lot of benefits, at least empirical benefits, things that are uh, some data, research data. You know, I, I was in, in Aspen, Colorado last year and went into a, a like a, a pot store and they have this big graph. It's like a big wheel of all the different with, you know, the THC and CBN and CBD. And I think there's one called CBG. I don't even know them all. And uh, there are so many medical advantages and uh, behavioral advantages. And yet we, you know, here in, in states that it's, even though, interestingly, even though it is now, quote unquote, legal for recreational use in the United States, states that have outlawed it, including California, veterinarians can still not talk about it. We can't recommend it. We cannot prescribe it. We cannot prescribe or sell products that have the cannabinoids in them, even if it's pure CBD oil, which is purified. So it's pretty ridiculous. Anyway, so this from an anonymous online study, 61.5% of veterinarians are very comfortable discussing the cannabidiol, which is CBD, with colleagues. However, only 45.5% feel comfortable discussing the CBD with their clients, and partly because of the legal ramifications and the rules and regulations, which are a little bit absurd. Only 8%, this is really interesting, only 8% say that they've never been asked about CBD by clients. And 82% support the federal law changes to remove CBD from Schedule 1. Now, just so you know, as a veterinarian, we can prescribe almost anything. You name the drug, we can prescribe it. But Schedule, and that's go from Schedule 2 and and up. Schedule 1, they feel there are zero benefit and very, very habit-forming. And therefore, they don't look at marijuana as having any benefit whatsoever and having, you know, the the issues of, you know, becoming, you know, addicted to it, which, you know, for those of us or those of you who know, that's probably not the case. Anyway, without the THC, which is really seems the agent that is causing many issues, it's pretty safe stuff. So bottom line is you need to talk to your veterinarian. You need to find out what your state allows. As I said, here in California, the best I can do is say to somebody, I I, I read an article about that. And at least in the article, they said it was helpful. I can't say, you know, why don't you try it? Or, you know, let me let me send you to a website or something. I cannot promote it, which is kind of ridiculous. Next up, this was, uh, you know, a lot of times if you ever had a dog that ate something that they weren't supposed to eat, you call either the emergency hotline or you call your veterinarian and they say, you know, give it some peroxide and it'll induce some vomiting. And it does. And we use it a lot. But you be very careful. Make sure you talk to your veterinarian about the dose, how much, whether you should cut it with water. And also, just so you know, this is very important. You need to use fresh hydrogen peroxide because hydrogen peroxide that's been sitting around for two years in your medicine cabinet um, is going to oxidize, eat up that last, you know, it's H2O2. And when you take, eat up one of those oxygens, what are you left with? You're left with water, H2O. So it's going to lose its potency, the efficacy of what it's supposed to do. It doesn't bubble up the same. So if you should always have some fresh peroxide if you're going to use it. But if you use too much, for example, you give it to the dog, they don't vomit, you say, I'm going to give it some more, don't vomit, I'm going to give it one more time. You worry, some of the problems you have to worry about, gastritis, which is just an inflammation of the, of the stomach wall, ulcers, because of this severe inflammation, bleeding because of the ulcers, gas emboli, which are like gas pockets, and in some rare instances, I, I have personally never heard it, but it is in print. And again, we don't know all the details. Was it maybe there was something else going on with the pet at the same time, but even death. So not saying don't do it, Just, but you should know that if you can get to your veterinarian, there are 
agents, medications that we could use that are far superior, far more effective, and much safer. So if you're stuck, you know, sometime in the middle of the night, and um, and also one last thing, just because the dog ate it, and you know they ate it, don't think that you always have to induce vomiting. There are many, many things that dogs can eat that we do not recommend vomiting induction. Because, for example, certain very, very potent lies and like things like bleach, ammonia compounds, poisonous compounds, once they've gotten into the stomach, the hope is that the, the stomach acids will dissolve or will neutralize some of these things, all right? Like the really thick, like things that are really basic, like bleach, for example. But if you make them vomit, and they should inhale, because they aspirate when they vomit, sometimes they bleh, and they breathe in and that stuff gets into the lungs, that is deadly. When you make them vomit, then the esophagus, then you're going to have more problems, potential problems. Again, once it's in the stomach, we say, okay, the first test was, look, ideally shouldn't have had it in the first place. But if they ate sharp bones or anything that's super sharp, that's non-metallic, metallic things are, are another story, then we don't want to make them vomit. So it's, again, you want to speak to your veterinarian, you want to call an emergency hotline. Um, there are other things you can do to, to help, you know, soften the edges. The gastric juices will probably do that anyway. But um, again, don't always rush to give them something to make them vomit unless you check first to make sure that it is safe to give them something to make them vomit. Now, this is also very interesting that, uh, and again, we talk about obesity till we're ad nauseum, speaking of vomiting. 70%, 70% of claims in insurance companies in 2017 were conditions linked to obesity. Now we're talking about arthritis and diabetes and urinary tract infections, and things like that. So it is really, really you know, dangerous. So when we talk about how important it is to keep your pets lean, and non-obese, this is one of the things we're talking about uh, because this is potentially a huge problem and we know that obesity is linked to a lot of other problems. This one also, this is cute. And I'll tell you why this one's cute because I was in, I was, I was in the airport flying into, uh, out, out of um, Salt Lake City, Utah, and I was up snowboarding and uh, in Park City. It was great, by the way. And uh, I see this guy, you know, got the police, the, the airport police guy with this really cute German short-haired pointer. So I, you know, whenever I see these dogs, of course, I'm going to go up and I'm going to say hi and ask if I, if it's okay to pet. He goes, yeah. And he asked me to, to look at something that was very cute when I told him I'm a veterinarian. But so I said, I kind of, you know, I've never seen like a German short haired pointer. Usually, you know, what I see, you know, I'm going to see the, the Belgian Malinois. I'm going to see the German Shepherds, right? So this is a report that TSA is starting to use more floppy eared dogs, labs, golden retrievers, pointers, Vizslas. Why? Because kids, children, tend to fear the dogs with the pointed erect ears like the shepherds and the Belgian Malinois. So, so I thought that's so funny because the guy told me, he says, no, no, they're using more and more of the pointers. And um, obviously, they're hunting dogs. All the hunting dogs have great schnozzes. They can smell anything. So um, it works out well. But anyway, so I'm sitting and petting the dog. And he says, you know, he's been limping. And so I, I go start palpating the dog. And sure enough, he's got like a really thickened kind of mass on his knuckle. And I said, have you seen this? And he felt it. And he goes, no. I said, oh, my God, you need to get this x-ray. You need to see what this is. This is not normal. And I showed him. We compared it to the other leg. And, uh, how, and the other leg was totally normal. So um, I... Again, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I'm sure he went in. Because he's, you know, the handlers of these dogs, and these dogs live with the handlers. So so they can be, become very, very attached to these dogs. And, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I would, it wouldn't surprise me if he was going to be in the veterinarian that afternoon or or the very next day. But anyway, we're going to skip over cold weather tips. And one more thing I want to uh, just do before we get to that. And, um, uh, no, you know what? That's about it. So we're going to take our break. 
And then we're going to come back. And unless anyone has any other questions or something you want to talk about, 877-385-8882. Or go to Google Hangouts and, uh, well, go to Pet Life Radio. Click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Scroll down and you'll get a Google Hangouts link. You can reach me now and talk about any of the above, anything new. And uh, if not, we're going to talk about some cold weather tips when we get back after these brief We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Today's episode is sponsored by Hanover Square Press and the secret language of cats. How to understand your cat for a better, happier relationship by Suzanne Schatz. Have you ever wondered what your cat is saying? In the secret language of cats, Schatz offers a crash course in cat phonics to help you crack the cat code. Perfect for the fans of the lion in the living room and the inner life of animals. The Secret Language of Cats by Suzanne Schatz is available for purchase today. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. And this just in is my, my daughter who's here with the, with the little one. Just uh, sent me this picture. I don't know if you can see it. There's a little guy, Jackson. Cute, huh? So, uh, yeah, he's, he's really good. Anyway, oh, one story that I saw just um, as I was going through my notes, that California, now this is, not, this is not citywide like it is in some other cities, and I applaud them all the time when we talk about this. This is statewide, that now in California, pet stores, can only sell shelter or rescue animals. No breeder pets, so that includes obviously puppy mill breeder pets, sold in pet stores. The only way breeders are only allowed to sell singles. So they can only sell just to private parties. This is the first state that made it a statewide rule. I mean, we've talked about it to many municipalities, many cities, many counties that have done this. And we've talked about it over the weeks. Every time I, I do see it, I, I applaud them. But I think California deserves kudos because this is now, I mean, in LA, it's been this way for a while. I mean, we've, for many, many years, they couldn't do it in Los Angeles, but now it's anywhere in the state of California. So that's pretty good. So cold weather, let's talk about cold weather. So first of all, you know, we also know all these things about hot weather, but cold weather also presents some problems. This is from the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association. So first of all, you have to understand pet tolerance to cold, all right, really varies based on an individual dog, based on breed, etc. Obviously, coat plays a big part. Body fat stores, activity level, age, and health are all important. So, the, you know, some basic recommendations are to basically shorten walks, especially for older and arthritic dogs, because they have, may have more difficulty on the snow and ice. They may slip and fall, so that's important. Of course, long, thick-coated dogs may be a little bit more tolerant, where short-coated dogs basically they can feel the cold faster and they get less protection. And short-legged dogs, you know, like um, the dachshunds and the, and the corgis, also are at a disadvantage because because of their increased likelihood of their bellies touching the snow or the ice when they're walking. 
And uh, so that also can cause some problems with thermal problems, you know, losing too much of their own body heat to the cold. Of course, pets with any kind of endocrine diseases like diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, hormonal imbalances like Cushing's also may have harder time regulating body temperature. So things like that. So any, any systemic disease or endocrine disease can also put dogs at a disadvantage and also very young and very old pets. So here's some suggestions. First of all, understand that dogs may want to change their sleeping place. For example, if they typically sleep in a laundry room or someplace where the house heat doesn't get there, you may want to move them to something that's warmer. However, since so many people like to keep their own bedrooms warm, it might be too warm for the dog. So then they may want to go to someplace a little less, less subsequent. So let them dictate kind of what they want and where they want. Of course, we want to keep pets inside more. And, um, you know, even like long and thick coated dogs that, you know, shouldn't be left outside for long periods of time below freezing. And especially without some sort of shelter. People say, well, God, he's a Samoyed, he's a Husky, he's a Malibu. Yes, yes, they are used to really, really, you know, cold temperatures, but not just sitting in one place. You know, that's the, I don't know if you remember that movie, Eight Below or something, how sad it was. But yeah, when these animals are moving and they're working, oh, it's one thing. But if they are left outside without shelter from the wind, it's the, it's the wind chill factor that sometimes is the problem. These dogs can also suffer from frostbite and just from just the cold weather itself. And also, if you're going to leave them, make sure they have access to some water. And it's obviously got to be non-frozen water. So if it's really cold, you can get these and they're safe. Uh, well, you want to make sure they're safe, that these water bowls that keep the they're sort of called heated water bowls that will keep the water from freezing inside so they have access to water. And um, of course, they should obviously be well fed because that's important. We'll talk about that in a minute. Here's another one for you. And a lot of you people, but a lot of people that live in cities where there's a lot of driving, Chicago, New York City, Kansas City, uh, Minneapolis, when you walk outside and you know it's freezing up in the Dakotas, you want to bang your car, the hood of your car, or when you get in, just hunk your horn. Why? Because a lot of stray cats, a lot of indoor-outdoor cats, a lot of ferals, they will find comfort and warmth on the engine block. So when you got home the night before and parked your car, right? They went jumped up in the engine block. It was warm. It was sheltered from the cold. And they fall asleep sometimes somewhere inside your under in your engine area under your hood. You can only imagine what happens. And I'm not going to go through the graphic details. But if you start your engine in the morning and that fan belt starts going, not a pretty sight. So you want to kind of wake them up. Let them scoot first before you actually start your car. Uh, very important. I hear terrible stories about that. And uh, let's see. Oh, also, you want to check paws often because they crack just like we do in the cold weather. They can crack, they can bleed. And also a lot of dogs that have a lot of hair in between their toes and inside their pads on the bottom, you want to get that hair trimmed. Again, because what happens is they sort of seem to collect ice balls and things like that. And it's not a bad idea when they come in that you can also you know, clean their feet really well. Sweaters and coats, stop laughing. Um, it turns out that, especially short-haired dogs, more than long, of course, but little dogs, even little long-haired dogs, you even take like a, a little Papillon or something, a Pomeranian, the smaller the dog, the larger the surface area in relation to their body weight. So that means that they're larger the area where they can actually lose their body heat to the external environment. So these dogs are much more prone to, to um, you know, suffering from the cold. So it's very important to make sure they're wearing a sweater. 
and also make sure it's dry. So if you took them out in the, in, you know, in the morning and it got, you know, they rolled around the snow, it got whatever. And then you, you took it off and put, just hung it someplace and then you put it back on at night. Well, now a moist or a damp sweater in the cold, guess what? It's going to turn to ice. So uh, you got to make sure that you uh, make sure that when you put them on that they are dry. And that's, uh, as I said, that's um, very important. And again, make sure to wipe you know, all the dogs down, body, feet, legs, bellies, wherever snow might accumulate. That's important. Of course, as with any time, dogs have outside access during the day. Make sure they're microchipped. Make sure they have identification. If you want them there, I mean, obviously, in cold weather, they need to be found if they get away. And they need to be found fast. And also, when you do microchip, it's also important, I say this all the time, that you want to make sure that you keep the registrations up to date. I can't tell you how many times we find dogs, they're microchipped, and we go on to the different microchip registries, and there are many of them now, and there's some that, that all they do is specialize. And we can't find the owner because all the information is, is different. You call the numbers, the numbers are disconnected. It's almost a 50-50 sometimes. So you know why? Because a terrible thing to say, but dogs that are getting out, are either because of truly an accident, something you didn't know about, there was a hole in the fence, the dog got out, someone left the gate open, but also more often it's because of irresponsible pet parenting. Well, that same irresponsible pet parent, can we really trust that they're going to keep their microchip data up to date? And so uh, that's why I see it's almost like Murphy's Law. When we find a dog running around the streets, even if they're microchipped, we have a tough time identifying finding the owner. So, uh, and in general also, I'm trying to keep them at home if you don't have to take them in the car, yes, you know, we, we talk about all the time, summertime, and, you know, don't leave a dog in a car. We get it. But there, guess what? As you know, when your car is outside during the day and you're at work and you get at the end of work, you get into that car, it is cold. So you can imagine you don't want to leave your pet in the car, even with the window. It's too cold for them. And they can't, they can't actually, they can't work up their body heat. So uh, as I said, if it's not essential that you take them someplace where you're going somewhere for a brief ride, you have the heater on in the car, and then you're going to get out of the car, take them with you. Just don't leave them sitting in a car. Also, make sure your, your homes are safe. Again, it gets really cold in some parts of the country. So you may have heaters, you may have space heaters, your furnace. So things like, you know, just make sure the cords are safe. Make sure they, they don't knock it over. If you're going to get a fireplace, make sure it's safe. Keep your pets away. Put your, it's one of those screens so the cats don't go. And I mean, you, who knows what they're capable of doing, but they're not always as smart as we think. And also make sure to check this is very important. Your carbon monoxide detectors. Of course, you have your fire alarm, your fire detectors, also for carbon monoxide, because if you're using your heaters during the winter, more frequently, more often, they're on more. If there's a problem, you don't want that carbon monoxide to escape. So that's very, very important to keep up to date. And then also just basically recognize some of the symptoms, some of the problems associated with freezing hypothermia, Listen to your pet, and um, they'll often give you signs. And of course, you want to keep them in a healthy weight. We just talked earlier about obesity. So some people, you know, rightly so, say, well, you know what, I'm not exercising my pet as much. So therefore, if I feed them exactly what we fed them during the spring and summer months, they're going to put on some weight, and they put on their winter weight. And it's true. So you want to make necessary adjustments based on their activity level, and, uh, you know, talk to your veterinarian. If you have dogs that seem to maintain just fine, then leave them alone. But dogs that are clearly exercising less and you're, gonna, you're not going to make any adjustments in their diet, it turns out they may put on that winter weight, which, as we know, is not good for them. So a lot of information there. I want you to keep your pets very safe. I can only tell you I was in Kansas City and usually there's a conference I go to every year in August. And I love Kansas City. And August is great. I went to another one in February. And I think the Bartle Hall was giving it away for free because who wants to be in Kansas City in February? Well, I was staying 
near the plaza. And anyone who knows Kansas City knows this. And we were staying at a, a hotel. I can look. It was, just, it was really close to the plaza. So you can walk outside of the hotel. And you can just see walk across like a little park. And you're, you're like at the plaza. So, you know, all the, the cab lines were long. It was cold. So we said, you know what? Let's take a walk. We can walk five minutes, whatever. We're, I'm telling you, by the time we got to the restaurant in the plaza, I was just making sure that my ears were still attached. It was so cold. So anyway, I know it gets cold out there. So thanks for joining me here. I uh, hope you all, once again, had a great New Year's. I hope uh, 2019 brings good things for you and to you. And uh, other than that, uh, we will be here next week, same time. Uh, and and uh, I will be maybe in a good mood or not because my Rams are playing on Saturday night uh, next week. So Sunday morning, well, <laughs> as I said, I may be in a lousy mood. Uh, anyway, have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.